0: We are live right after the 2020 draft, and uh, first of and foremost, I just want to say congrats, shout out to everybody on the ESPN broadcast. That was really hard to do with difficult circumstances, and for Trey Wingo to navigate that, I don't know if people fully understand, appreciate how hard that was. And I also thought it was smart on the production level to constantly just go, look. Once the pick is in, we're going to cut some of you guys off a little bit. I know it's going to be awkward. It's not great when you get cut off when you're live on TV, but it was kind of the right thing for the entire product and for the viewer at home. Um, so it was great. Um, I, I, have, I have nothing negative to say. We could do that if we wanted to. I just don't think we should or I'm not going to do it uh, right now because of what the circumstances were with that broadcast. So here's the plan. We have Chris Long my Monday co-host here on the Ryan Russillo podcast. Uh, We're going to go over the draft, and then I've got some thoughts on my own, including a new special sponsor that I'm very excited about from Baton Rouge, which makes sense because of five LSU Tigers going in the first round. Clyde Edwards-Alaire on the final pick to the Chiefs, so clearly he's going to be all pro. But before we get started, today's episode of the Ryan Russillo podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Uh, unpredictable, maybe the receiver's dropping here a little bit. Or Jordan Love going to the Packers with the 26th overall pick, and Aaron Rodgers is mad. So unpredictable pick, predictable reaction. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today. Cheesy TV guy segue, I don't know that. That's the kind of teammate that Aaron Rodgers was looking for. Chris, you just did five hours of a live stream show. Do you have enough endurance in you?
1: Yeah, the scouting way? report on me is that I can go and go.
0: There's a joke there, but I'm just going to leave it alone <laughs> let's uh let's start with this though, because you know I, I understand. I'm- Important the position is, you know, we don't need to state it over and over again. Um, I just want to point out one thing, though, because people have done this already, that when Rogers was taken the night he slid, and if you look at the year when he was drafted, Rogers, you could see that, oh, wait, if he doesn't go by now and then no one trades up, like he could slide a bit. And that's how I felt in the moment. Yet the fact that he went, you know, what, 22 overall? Favre was 35 years old. Rogers, Chris, is 36. So it's like, wait a minute, the Packers are doing this. No, the thing is, is it was... The Packers were so sick of Favre and his retirement, non-retirement thing. And they love Rogers the talent. And then Rogers sat around for four years because Favre kept going. And then basically Favre still wanted to come back again. And they're like, We look, we can't do this anymore. We want our franchise back. And they went with Rogers. So it's not like Rogers is fake retiring. And even then it wasn't as bad when Favre was there and Rogers was selected. But this uh is I, you know, there are times where I look at guys at positions. I go, relax, relax. They drafted somebody. There's, you know, there's deep wide receiver cores. There's defensive ends. That you rotate in and out. You need linebacker. You need all these different things. If I'm Rodgers, though, even if he doesn't seem to be as well liked now publicly, because people are just sort of turning on him a little bit, I would be frustrated if I were him too.
1: Yeah, I would definitely be frustrated. You come off a year where, um, you know, although you weren't a lead, it looked like you were at least getting along with your coach. Uh, you probably are learning the scheme a little bit more you're hearing assurances that you're going to get a weapon in the draft. And as you said, they turn around and, and draft, you know, the quarterback with as much upside as anybody in that first round, in my opinion um, you know, certainly athletically and ability wise, he's got more than Joe Burrow. Um, but Joe Burrow's is clearly uh, the, the far and away a better option. I'm not saying anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's got to suck for Aaron. Uh, because he almost got lulled to sleep with, hey, things are, are real rosy up here uh, with the new coach. And as you said, he he's kind of lived looking over his shoulder his whole career. I mean, with the legacy of Brett, um, you know, with not getting along with McCarthy. Um, and, and now, you know, at the end where it's going to get increasingly tougher for him, he's got a, a, a guy, you know, he's got to look over his shoulder for with, uh, with Jordan Love.
0: Yeah, and by the way, Rogers uh, went twenty fourth. So I just looked it up just to make sure. Now, the thing about Love, though, is is he's he's an eye of the beholder guy. You know, like healthy Tua is the best quarterback draft pick. Um, that's not the case, so that's why I didn't go number one. And I like Burrow, but I can understand some of the arguments against Burrow, um, and that's fine because you know as as I've talked about with you and I've talked about on, on solo podcasts, it's just really hard to draft this position. But for Love. Um, you know, whenever anybody wants to do this, well, maybe they'll just have him sit around forever. The other guy doesn't want to sit around forever. And just sitting around for years... I don't buy that. I don't buy that sitting around for years makes you a better quarterback later on because there's nothing replacing playing right away. You want to tell me maybe sitting a year if you're really raw or if you've never come close to playing in any kind of NFL system and they feel like, hey, we can move things around you. Like, I still think Patrick Mahomes would have been great. I mean, in a real weird way, you could have argued there was no point in playing Alex Smith that year. Um. Because if Mahomes were this special that he's already the best quarterback in the NFL in his second year and an MVP in his first year, and if a play went his way with an offsize D Ford, maybe we're talking about back-to-back Super Bowls. Why the hell was he even sitting for a year? So I think we play the results far too often with guys who sit or play right away, but I just don't understand. Like there's there's a certain point where not playing is no longer beneficial. And for love to sit a long time, because Rodgers is only 36, I don't get the pick.
1: I don't think it's necessarily the the act of sitting and watching that makes you better. I just think you're going to have generally better outcomes in a situation <clears throat> where you have the ability, the luxury to sit around. Cuz like teams like that that means you probably are sitting behind somebody and your team has some some relative success. They're not having to draft somebody, you know, in the top 5 uh, perennially and like figuring out who's the next quarterback, who's the next quarterback. I mean, any of these quarterbacks taking the first round as we know, it's a shit show. You don't know who's going to be who. Uh, And and you look at the last five years, um, all the quarterbacks in the, in the first round, um, you know, most of their coaches a year later don't have a job. So it's not necessarily a promising or good thing to be drafted early and, and start playing right away. And that's why I think you get better outcomes. It's more the organization as much as anything like you're just in a better situation.
0: Yeah, I'm not completely dismissive of the idea that someone can benefit or some quarterbacks can benefit taking their time, not being rushed into a bad situation where maybe it's the coach who's already lost two years in a row, hoping to get somebody in there. But usually that means if the coach thinks he's going to get fired, then that rookie's going to play anyway, so he can kind of renew hope for the fan base and maybe ownership. So I'm not 100% anti the idea that there can be benefits not being forced into a tough situation, but I just – I know this is me as the non athlete talking to a guy I played for over a decade. I, I've just I, I like I've just always felt like if you guys are gonna be good, totally, totally different. Right, right. It's unimaginable. Right. And
1: also this is a unique year because you know, if you're if you're in New England and I sit here and you know, New England, by the way, and we'll get to them, I'm sure, but I'm like, yeah, take Jordan love, take Jordan Love. It sounds so cool, it'd be so fun. They're not gonna do the fun thing, by the way. They're going to do some boring shit all year. They're going to disappoint everybody because, you know, in a year where you want to see what they're going to do, they're going to squirm. Like, they're just going to keep doing what they
0: do. Again, I'm the guy, you know, saying to you, like, I'm sure you've been around some quarterbacks that – because, look, we worked with them where they go, you know, if I just had a better situation, if I just had, you know, a little bit more confidence and I didn't lose all my confidence that first year. Yes, I believe that those are, you know, starts and and endings that didn't go according to plan because you were in a bad situation. Like, I look at Josh Rosen going – Are we convinced he just sucks or has he had just awful luck here now two years in a row where a new staff comes in after he goes 10th and it's the number one pick and a new coach and a new system and they love Kyler Murray. And then if you can't beat out Fitzpatrick in Miami, then that's sort of alarming. But you could also see how Fitzpatrick could hold off a guy who hasn't really even played. And so then you're like, oh, now we have Tua. So if Rosen's flamed out in a couple of years and he's telling guys at the golf course going, I never even had a shot. Um, he's not wrong.
1: He's not wrong. Um, but people see what they see, and you know, I think Fitz—he's going to look back at Fitzpatrick and be like, "Damn, if he was never there, I, I would have had a whole year." I mean, it, anybody but Fitzpatrick—it was the perfect situation to rob him of an opportunity to quarterback that team for a year and get some tape at least out there. And then once you miss that boat, it's really hard to get back on the carousel. And you know, you're seeing it with Cam Newton right now. I was talking about it with Ninko on the, on the stream. Like, where's, where's he going to end up? You think he he's going to be a starter this year? What do you think about Jameis Winston? These guys are, you know, number one picks. These guys are guys who have, you know, been to high Heights. I mean, more so cam than Jameis, but Jameis is younger. There's, there's no real injury issues. Um, once the carousel starts going again, it's hard to get back on. And for a young unproven guy, or a guy that just gets shell-shocked being in a terrible situation for two years, you never get that chance again because that's the first thing people think about was that year.
0: So what do you think is fair? If you were Rodgers, what do you think would be a fair conversation with that front office? After I, would say,
1: like I, I would say you need to be honest with me, level with me, and tell me what the plan is. If, you, if you're not going to bullshit me.
0: Which he apparently, he apparently always feels like they did, according to this report, that he was told they were going to get him help. You
1: know, yeah, those. so he probably already feels um, lied to, but he should realize that, um, yeah, it's, it's disrespectful. There, there's really only one player on a team that deserves an assurance like that. Well, I mean, there's one position that automatically deserves to know what the plan is. Just tell me what the plan is. Everybody else, even good players, you could wake up the next day if you didn't watch the draft and realize that you're being majorly challenged at your position or you've been usurped. By some, you know, youngster that you didn't even know was a a fucking uh, need for your team. Like teams,
0: that's it. Well, let me let me let me ask you, right? So, like, you signed with the Eagles, and they drafted Barnett. What eleventh?
1: I didn't get mad because I I wasn't Aaron Rodgers. Well, I I was I was like I took it personal. um, But also, I'm not Aaron Rodgers. I'm a 33, 34 year old defensive end coming off a stint in New England where I played inside. I know that I could rush and I know that I was going to be one of your best two defensive ends. But I also know that people love young players and guys would promise it's tantalizing. And, uh, you know, I wasn't given any big assurances, but I was surprised when they drafted an end. But again, I'm not, I'm a new guy. I'm not a franchise player. I'm not a star in Philly. And you know, Aaron Rodgers, is Aaron Rodgers, there's a big difference and how, you know, news should be conveyed to guys. And if that's the truth, and they were really dishonest with him and didn't tell him, uh, then that's kind of fucked up because he deserves at least, uh, you know, news of the plan. He doesn't deserve to write the script, but he deserves to know what's happening. And, you know, at this point, I don't see that relationship getting a lot better, do you, with, with Aaron's kind of demeanor.
0: No, I mean, that's the whole point. Like, look, I used to stick up for Aaron Rodgers all the time, okay? Because he's the best thrower of the football I've ever seen. Um, I still think he throws a prettier ball than Mahomes, but who cares? I mean, Mahomes is going to be the best quarterback in this league for like 10 years. I don't even know how – like, that's how special he is. By the way, Barnett won 14. I'm on fire today, just missing by a couple spots. Uh, when, when I think of Rodgers, though, like, it was, it was kind of tough. Like, I, I sort of pivoted a little bit on him where – like the next guy that retired that knew him that came through ESPN, and you know you get to know those guys, and you go, "Hey, what's the deal with Rogers?" You'd be like, "No, thank you." And you're like, "Whoa!" Like, and I know he he kind. Of, I felt like he was kind of a man on an island with his NFLPA stuff, where he's like, "Oh, well, you know, let's let's change the rules so nothing can start before August 1st. And it's like I get all the vets like that, but it's like, do you mind if any of us practice, Aaron? Is it okay if the old line guys that are rookies get in? Like, can we give them T-shirts and maybe run some cones? Is that okay with you? And you know, like it didn't even seem like as much as you guys don't want to practice. I think even some some union guys were like, "Hey, that's that's insane." A
1: walkthrough, you know, yeah. uh, you at, the Camada, at the Appleton Ramada. Like we could just we don't even have to be at the facility.
0: So this is this is going to be bad. Like this is an absolute. Like, this thing was chalk. There were no surprises. There were no trades. Adam Schefter was missing for a while. You know, I mean, this was the least amount of Schefter I've ever seen in a draft. I was falling
1: asleep when when this happened. And, like, I was lulled to sleep to see – you're right. I haven't reacted aggressively enough to this. You know, this is a –
0: This is the – this is it. Like, we got – It wasn't any trade. It wasn't some guy that slipped. I mean, this thing, the guys that did the mock drafts, and this is so funny because it just happens too, right? There is the front office zag to the media zig, and the media is putting out all these mocks. All the names are like the same 40 guys. You know, it's like a handful of guys that could have gone in. Like the mocks kind of killed it. And yet, because there was no um, lead up, because there weren't the normal meetings of front offices, and usually what happens is like the lower level guys are a little bit more inclined to leak some stuff. Right? Because they're, you know, they want to make a name for themselves. They're gonna tell you, hey, these are guys I'm interested in. And so maybe somebody has a great relationship. So usually you feel like the information is stronger. And then we were reading stories from reporters saying GMs are kind of laughing at the idea of how bad the mocks are gonna be and it's gonna be a free for all. And tonight's gonna be all surprises. I can't remember a draft ever being this chalk. So the Rogers story in love is the story. There's and you just did five hours, so you're you probably get lost in the shuffle of it. All.
1: And, yeah. Well, also, I wasn't staring at the timeline, so I wasn't seeing people freak out. Um, and uh, you know, we all we all gasped when it happened. Um, but you know, it's uh, think about it. How old is is Aaron Rodgers?
0: Thirty six. Yeah.
1: Has his play been Has his play been declining or ascending?
0: It's declining from the you know the. The undisputed best co I mean, you can argue resume and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I still think he's pretty good, but
1: possibly the quarterback of the future. Or possibly, I don't know, a kid that shows enough and is talented enough where if you're not in love with him, maybe you can trade him down the line. I don't know. Um, but you know, you But that doesn't help Rogers. It doesn't help Rogers. No. But I'm talking about for the organization, I don't hate to pick. Now, you also you blew up the locker room a little bit, but maybe he'll get over it. And maybe he'll see eye to eye with you. And maybe in a couple of weeks, you know, after you sit down and level with him and put everything on the table, he says, okay, this guy isn't competing with me unless I'm bad. And if I'm bad, I probably don't want to be out there anyways. What is it going to take for this kid to take my job? That's what I need to know.
0: I do think you will see Friday as people will be listening to this. You're going to see media members because you can put together some stats. Like if you put together all the bad Brady stats, you go, wait a minute. All right. This is why Bill moved off of him. And some of this is like two year trend stuff. I mean, I've dug through the Roger stuff where you can, you can find stuff where you're like, wait a minute, this isn't the Aaron Rodgers that I remember. How come these completion, you know, numbers are, are below what you'd expect on some of these deep throws outside the numbers, like what's going on with him, um, but I've always, you know, the playoff record thing is a bad anti-Rogers argument. You can go through those games and realize that for a good chunk of his career, it was somebody else screwing up after he had gotten them a late score. But I think his personality, this pick, he already is mad at everybody to begin with, Um, you know, to still have a chip on your shoulder. Like, I talked to somebody that, that used to represent him uh, that was involved in his team that was like, this is this is one of the most vengeful, like, grudge-holding, personalities they've ever come across. So, I I'm just going to go ahead and say like uninformed, I could see this getting so ugly that he would be like I want out of here. That's what I think that's what I think he's about.
1: Possibility, but also like he's justified if they lied to him.
0: Yeah, totally. Look, I'm I'm not even I'm not knocking him for him. I just think that it
1: Of course, the irony of Mike McCarthy uh snagging a wide receiver. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Your boy like he, I like C.D. Lamb, but not as much as you. I can't believe he lasted this long.
1: Yeah, I couldn't believe it either. I was like, I was um, blown away actually that the receivers dropped as far as they did. It it moved the entire thing back. The domino effect was crazy. I mean, like there was a point where I really thought the Eagles were going to snag him and they'd only have to move up like a pick or two. They obviously didn't do that, and Dallas got to take him away in division. It's kind of a twist the knife thing. Because I didn't think about that being Dallas's first need. Um, you know, and, and then the fact that Ruggs was first, that was the wackiest part of the entire draft.
0: Yep. The only thing I could think of was, well, Mayock loves guys from Clemson, and then he loves guys from the SEC. And so I was like, okay, you know, he'll take Judy if he's not going to take CeeDee Lamb. And then he takes Ruggs. Uh, I don't think that's as crazy. I think that's where we kind of, like, if if Judy's supposed to go ninth, 10th, or 11th, and Ruggs are supposed to go 15th, and then Ruggs goes 12th, that's not, that shouldn't be some huge, but we all kind of were so married to the order and how they were all projected. You and I both like C.D. Moore, yeah.
1: The order was so unanimous, and he leapfrogged, you know, on some both. guy for two people, you know, yeah. and leapfrogged uh, Jefferson, um, Judy. And and then you know, Lamb, effectively. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was a shocker a little bit. But also, lately, I trust the Raiders because a guy named Mike Mayock got there, and last year they put together one of the best drafts in recent memory, um, especially for for a new staff. So, um, I, I think I, I thought they were going to get Henderson and maybe a quarterback. I, I was kind of in that camp where they might snag a quarterback, but um, obviously, that didn't happen. And uh, now we see um, Jordan Love. Fucking up Aaron Rodgers' career
0: up there. <laughs> and one of the worst intel quotes of the night was somebody saying, Hey, they've got Mariota. They really like Carr. Like, no, they obviously don't really like Carr if they brought in Mariota. They don't. I mean, that's, you could play the, somebody, no, I'm not going to say the name because it was just one of those things where it's like, no, no, no some, like, we think, like, we really like Carr. No, you don't. You don't like Carr because it, you, you could say Mariota was cheap and we loved him in the draft and Tennessee messed him up and all this stuff, whatever. All right, who was your favorite defensive player that was taken?
1: My favorite defensive player that was taken? Man, um, you know, I, I, I'm i high on Derek Brown. I'm not as high as everybody else is. Um, I am. I Isaiah I'm, Simmons was a really red eye yeah. you? Isaiah Simmons is good value. Um, listen... Henderson, I thought was a good value as well. And some people were like, that's a reach. I thought at nine, he might prove to be, I know Kuda is like everybody's one a by a mile, but I don't think the, uh, the distance between him and Henderson is as great as people think. And I thought, honestly, Jacksonville had as good a first round as almost anybody. If this LSU kid pans out um, like I think he might.
0: Clavon. Yeah. Goodell had a tough night with the names.
1: Dude, some really tough names. I would say there wasn't a standout favorite for me. Did you have a standout favorite? Is it, is it uh Brown?
0: Yeah, I'm not saying Derek Brown, you know, should go ahead of Chase Young in the draft. And, you know, I was lucky enough to see Chase two years ago at the Penn State game. I mean, at that point you kind of knew who he was, but Bosa Boso was was the bigger ticket item. And uh I'm just making sure I'm getting this right because I, I'm pretty sure Bosa played in that game. Just double checking. Uh yeah, Bosa played in that game. But Chase, Chase is the kind of player that you know, if you if you didn't have a program or you didn't know ahead of time, you'd be like, well, wait a minute, who's that dude? You know, because of a guy because he's so he's so thick, but his his body's like a great heavyweight size, you know what I'm saying? Like some guys are just heavy and they look heavy, but Chase's frame is like perfect. And he's quick, and he's got like a little bit of a thinner hip thing. than I'm getting real technical here. It's like my hip more of a thinner hip thing than we do.
1: Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. That way, he, uh, he's he's <laughs> he, this dude is this dude is impressive physically. He reminds me, and I know that Clowney has been the comp. I mean, he definitely has that kind of uh, that kind of build and uh, explosion. I don't think he's quite as twitchy. Or, well, I don't want to say twitchy. He's a different twitchy than Clowny. Um, Clowney is, I, I, I want to say that Chase might be more powerful as a rusher. Like if Chase puts his hand in the view of your neck, I think you'll move easier than if Clowney does. Now I think Clowney's more sudden with his change of direction and that sort of thing. So, um, I think that's a good comp for him. And listen, if you get Clowney in the top five, I know some people would say, you know, he's probably overdrafted there. He's only had 32 sacks. I still think it's not a bad pick. Um, He has been a kind of a one-man wrecking crew and people plan for him. I know the numbers don't show up that way. So I think Chase will have more sacks than Clowney, honestly, but I don't know that he'll be a better all-around player.
0: Uh, Yeah, you know, whenever I look at like big-time edge guys in college and we'll get really worried about their numbers, their lack of numbers and stuff, and you go, you know, in college, some of these guys are so much better than the offensive linemen that teams have to scheme in ways where either they're running everything away from him, their rollouts are away from him, routes away from you know what I mean? And I know that some of the strategy is, hey, go right at the guy so that he can't get out in space and try to make some plays. But I've seen Chase Young dominate in games where the whole game plan protection was set up to try to stop him. And then it's like, Oh, he didn't have any sacks. You're like, as you have astutely pointed out numerous times, one of the best podcasts we ever did together. I think you did like a 20 minute dissertation on sacks and how stupid they were. Um, it, yeah. Just sacks are, it's just dumb. Like whenever if you're like, Oh, if
1: somebody challenges me on something. I'm like, well, motherfucker, guess how many sacks I had, <laughs> you know? And, and you're just like, you know, it's just, you, 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 you do it when it suits you, but it's true. The truth is always somewhere in between.
0: Right, so I like Derek Brown. Line him up because he could actually play. I don't know if he's a zero. Um, you know, some of that stuff is is beyond me. But the fact that he can play in the A gap and then line up outside the way Auburn used him in all these different ways, I just always every time you watch an Auburn game, you're like, up oh, that guy's wrecking the interior again. So uh, give me Derek Brown. Jacksonville, really good point though. Like their draft with CJ and Chase on, but if you think about how good that staff has done putting together these defensive names, whether it's Ramsey or Bouye, or excuse me, Boye, um, you know, Fowler before. I, I wouldn't say Fowler ever panned out as much as I thought he was going to do out of Florida. Uh, who's the other guy? Yeah, he's been better.
1: I think people are going to over, over, um, estimate how much production he got from playing with Aaron Donald. When you play with Aaron Donald, it's good and it's bad because the clock speeds up and people are not going to just drop back there and pat the football. So for an edge rusher... You look at him, and if you think all his success in L.A. was all Aaron, yes, it helps there. I think he's going to do well in Atlanta. But, yeah, your point stands. I mean, you know, Jacksonville has let a lot of good talent walk out the door defensively. Um, But the kid they got last year, Josh Allen kid, man, he might have been the best rookie uh, defensive lineman. Um, I, I know that nobody watched Jacksonville play, and we had the Nick Bosa thing going, but he had some fucking moments down there. He's pretty good.
0: Yeah, I just feel like this staff, and then you know, Yannick calling uh, the owner's son a clown. Like they, that's a handful of really good defensive players that they drafted, homegrown, and then they are all like gone, and they got to do it all over again. I mean, two years ago when Jacksonville played in the AFC title game, um, well, I guess you'd say three title games ago, it was this might be the most talented defensive roster in the NFL, and like that, you know, it's something to build on. Hey, Bortles is steady enough. <laughs> And then it's just like
1: year in an alternate universe. Do you remember them beating the Pats early in the, in the regular season?
0: Yeah. And Bortles looked like he was like, Oh, Hey, look, this guy's going to be amazing. He was unbelievable on third down. He's running around. I mean, it's the best game Bortles has ever played. We don't know if Bortles will ever be a starter again. And maybe their top five defensive players are all going to be on other teams. That's, that's an insane amount of turnover. They they had a
1: window that they just completely blew. And, Honestly, you look back at that Patriots game, I don't think they would have beaten us in the Super Bowl, but um, there was a questionable call there with that fumble. Um, yeah. you know, a couple things could have gone in different ways. And uh, you know, you wonder how that, that would have looked had they gotten the big one or possibly won it. Would they be able to keep those guys together? I doubt it. I just don't think they had the nucleus that was primed to stay together from a personality standpoint. Now Calais is gone.
0: Calais is gone, right? Yeah, Fournette wants out.
1: When you let somebody walk like that, who's a leader, you know what that signals? And and still a good player. You're not trying to win right now. And um, that sounds harsh to say, but if you think like it's going to be the Gardner Minshew show and you're good enough to win like that all year, you're not. I mean, eventually they're going to be looking at picking Trevor Lawrence and they're going to have a lot of young talent if they draft well.
0: Any uh, draft room observations with uh, C.D. Lamb? Lot of love out there for the quickness of his hands grabbing his girl's cell phone. I think it was his cell phone, and she went to look at it, and he grabbed it away from her. So that made the rounds.
1: Oh, did, did that happen? Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That'd be a bad first night in the NFL. Um, you know, I, I, uh, J- Joe Burrow's um, shades or drapes?
0: Drapes. Yeah, we call those drapes
1: those were aggressive.
0: How about how about the good chair having a tarp? The chair was social distancing with a mask on.
1: Chair had its tarp which I respected. Um uh, Joe Burrow's a big one-arm hug guy. Um, also Steve
0: Kime, He does <laughs> not do what sunscreen is. Tweet of the night with with the with the eighth selection Arizona takes sunscreen. You got to take
1: some sunscreen, Steve. Just invest in it. Maybe a late round pick. You know, and then when you go outside and you come back inside, you won't look like a tomato.
0: Unbelievable. And then. um, Oh, I got another one. Cliff Kingsbury living in Scarface's house in Scottsdale. Uh, That house insane. And as Cliff told us on my podcast, he goes, when I was down the first half to Detroit, I'm like, why did I buy that fucking mansion? Yeah. (laughs) Why did I buy that fucking mansion? Darn it. (laughs) And meanwhile, Zach Taylor is in the Brady Bunch basement with the number one pick. and Kingsbury looks like he's he's shorting oil futures in space
1: dude he he literally when you have a yard that has grass in between like concrete walkways and you know that modern architecture, you're not supposed to be an NFL head coach. <laughs> like that is just not that's not the the thing I imagine. Mike McCarthy could never. You know, as they say, <laughs> McCarthy, McCarthy would be, be like, like, where, where where's, where's the where home bar? Creating, right. Bro? Right. Like, where, what the fuck is this? Like what, <laughs> so where, where's where's I, where, I, where am I, am I putting, putting the carburetor? Yeah. What is this an indoor outdoor space? Like, is this
0: entire house? Why would we, we just run some two by eights and studs? We'd have a nice, nice little overhang. Like, maybe can we order one of those, those, those cole- the porch thing that, that <laughs> McCarthy would <laughs> retractable <laughs> porch awning." McCarthy would
1: slap a home is where the heart is, like wooden sign from Lowe's, right above that million-dollar kitchen walkway.
0: He'd be like, "Let me, sh- let, let me show you my WWII memorabilia." Room.
1: Yes, I mean, so McCarthy could never. Um, Jerry Jones's couch is thirty feet.
0: Well, he was on a yacht, you know. He was on a yacht.
1: Was he on a yacht? Yeah, that's his yacht. It's a big fuck you to everybody, really. I mean, it's just like we're all. I mean. We're all cooped up in our houses right now, Jerry. You're on a yacht. Just like and you get yacht the style. Evil guy, and you get C.D. Lamb. Golly, I, talk about winning the night. I used to like C.D. Lamb. Darn it. Then another one was um, John Lynch. His TV screen was reflecting hard on his window, and his big board was up on the window. A, you know, a little bit closer. We got the entire Niners big board. I don't think John had that figured out. And then also John Elway's house plan.
0: That's why Belichick traded out because he wanted to go back to the board reflection footage to be able to just write it all down. He's got some, there's like seven Patriots interns right now, just trying to like, you know how like in a TV show (laughs) when there's the, like a, a lawyer, the storyline in a show and they're going through all the shredded paper and taping it back together that's what that's what belichick's having staffers do right now they're like that's an r i'm like no it's an n lynch is left-handed
1: also zimmer had like five dead animals on the walls <laughs> and a dip in and a dip in the whole time like yeah, oh i tweeted zimmer dips but i was just saying it because of the decor in his house zimmer like Zimmer could chew his, his wad of dip at the end. There's no juice or nicotine left in it. Like it's been in there at the entire draft. He fucking pops up out of like with a ghillie suit on. And he's like, you know, turns in the first pick. The dude is just so country.
0: Do you think um, Zimmer when he was younger was the guy that would recycle his own dips? And then when you got stuck bumming one off of Zimmer, you'd be like, oh dude, what are you doing here?
1: No, I no. bet Zimmer was a guy that had so many spitters in his trailblazer that you would definitely, if you knew him for more than a year, have drank his dip spit by accident at one point. Here's the, the, the winner on the night was uh, Javon Kinlaw's relative or friend that was sleeping on the couch and then like popped up and just started performing, bro.
0: No, I love when guys are asleep. Like, I thought Beanie Wells fell asleep and I went, I don't know if I want him now. Like Beanie Wells, I think, fell asleep. And whenever you fall asleep in you the prospect, that's a major red flag for me.
1: And then Rosenhaus, decide, dude, are you in your PPE? Are you out of your PPE? Like he had his mask on, he has it off. I mean, just figure it out, man.
0: <laughs> all right. Hey, I'm going to let you go. You can check out all of Chris Long's stuff at. Joel nine one on Twitter. And then uh, what do you got with chalk media coming up?
1: Uh, nothing, just green light pods. I, I got Phil Sims coming on tomorrow. Yeah. I got a special guest from my draft year joining me and I got Phil Sims coming on. We'll break down the draft as best we can. And Hey, before we leave, I saw um, the, that Tom Brady, um, what? committed the unforgivable sin of walking into somebody's house that wasn't theirs. And I thought maybe <laughs> that you could reach out to him. Also be having some new England ties, a lot in common, both athletes, and both two ended up in somebody else's house.
0: Uh, you know, some are saying that what Brady did was worse. Because I wasn't actually, despite the coverage of, of my incident, it was a simple hotel room key that worked on the wrong hotel room. People before, know that, my, by the way. No, no, because I wasn't allowed to fully explain it. Okay, so, it's so I've been, known uh, this for some time, and I've had trouble biting my tongue. I went no. on
1: exonerated in the court of public opinion. He had a hotel. He... Probably had too much to drink, but that is not a...
0: It's a fishing trip, you know? I mean, what what was I supposed to do? Uh, There's a bunch of factors. Basically, 10 things had to go wrong. They all went wrong. I still made a mistake. Uh, I take ownership of that part. But when your room key works on the wrong door and you just crawl into bed to go to bed in a hotel that you'd barely been at for 10 minutes... I mean, I stayed at the same hotel the next night. I I had a two-night reservation, yeah.
1: We went 10 million Americans that day, checked into their hotel went straight down to get tab drinks, and then well, I went
0: to get dinner, but the restaurants were all closed because it was post uh, the solar eclipse Pat we were in the path of totality it was the path it wasn't just the solar eclipse, that was the path of totality so everything was wiped out. So the first restaurant that I went to, I was like, I'm going to get a steak in me and then watch a little live music. But then, you know, I ended up staying with these other guys after hours because I hadn't really gone out this whole Western, you know, ex- exploration.
1: Yeah, you're Chris you know, McCandless. Trip. I went
0: I, I went real McCandless because I was doing Idaho and Montana and then I made it down to Jackson Hole and I hadn't gone out really the whole week. And then I, the irony of that night is that it's the best day. It's one of the happiest I've ever been earlier that day, fishing out in the Gallatin. It's the best fishing day I've ever had in my life fly fishing where you're like ordering stuff on Orvis, you know, in the car. And then because it took me so long to get there, I mean, all these things happened. I never ate. And then like an idiot, I worked out and took a bunch of pre-workout. So now I'm in altitude, pre-workout high. And then Kyrie got traded. And I was so excited about the Kyrie thing because I had some insight on it. And then I checked into the room and laughed about how hard it was to find the room And I was like, Jesus, I was like, this is this is a a maze. I had to go back to the front desk when I checked in to be like, what the hell is the deal with this? And she's like, no, no, you're in the back. I was like, all right. And then
1: quite the the macro life lesson here, Ryan, even on your best day. Misery is always around the corner.
0: It's unbelievable because I was the happy I was so happy. I'm driving through the Tetons. I mean, I was absolutely love the Tetons. I was just like, this is amazing. I tell you what, though, there's not many places that you can stay at for free. In a, in a resort, in a resort area like Jackson hole.
1: So, yeah, well, uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you finally got the joke. All right. So I, I've thought about doing like a, just a full pod to talk about the whole thing, but I don't know. It's not, it's, uh, you know, made a mistake, but yeah, Tom Brady, I'm just going to tell him it, 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 it'll get better. It'll get better for Tom.
1: Better. Hey. <laughs> and if you ever want to reach out, I mean, you know, where to find me, Ryan Rossillo, uh, you know, I'm from the area. A uh, big pass fan. So maybe you could help him. He's helped you all these years.
0: You could help him. Hey, set that up. As well, don't tell Jules I'm gonna text him because I don't want to make it weird. Between
1: I don't know, man. Words. Jules Jules, you know, there was a rumor he unfollowed him on uh, Instagram
0: and <laughs> No way. No, that that has to, yeah,
1: he wouldn't do that. But then yeah. when people went to look, they said that they you know, but he could unfollow and
0: then followed. I mean listen, Jules is he Jules isn't out there to make friends, man. I know, but I mean, he might be doing the unfollow, follow, notice me thing. There's a defensive lineman from Tennessee who does it to me every week. So, you know, there you go.
1: used to be my dog. You was in my left titty. Scream, ride or die. thought you would die with me. That's what Jules is listening to on repeat <laughs> up in New England.
0: Or James Taylor.
1: Skating down the road, just, just dejected.
0: Nah, he's got James Taylor's greatest hits going right now. He's, gonna, he's got an acoustic guitar and he's like C. he's like how come the C is so hard my fingers are too big all
1: i'll right, get buddy. the musical stuff but yeah he's how about when tom blew the, the conch shell and then gronk came running and jules like probably never wants to hear that noise again
0: <laughs> i keep trying to say goodbye to you but you won't let it go now it's amazing no it's
1: just too good all right man all,
0: all right see talk you to soon. soon
1: talk to you later
0: yeah all right man i'll let you go now Okay, before I get to some more of my draft observations here solo, I want to welcome in Raising Cane's, the best chicken fingers I've ever had. I'm serious. Uh, This is a great deal here. I don't even have a script to read. It's because of how much I believe in the restaurants, and I want to tell you about their founder, Todd Graves. Todd's a guy who I've watched LSU games with uh, up in the box. He's there with my boy from uh, Walk-On's, Brandon Landry, and I met Todd a long time ago when I first started on my Baton Rouge excursions and guys would tell me about this dude they're like yeah this guy started a chicken finger deal right here in baton rouge and people were like what's he gonna do and it turned into a global phenomenon it is the best chicken figure that you're ever gonna have when i was in louisiana for the title game Granted, staying in downtown New Orleans, I looked at my phone, I'm like, where's the closest one? A food court at a mall. Done. Ubered all the way over there on my own. I'm sitting in a food court, I think in metairie eating raisin canes, and some guy recognized me. He's like, Well, what are you doing here at this mall, food court? I'm like, well, the number one reason I'm in Louisiana is because the title game. But the second reason I'm here is I decided I want some chicken fingers from Raising Cane's. So Todd wanted me to remind you they're going to be doing sponsorship with us. But more importantly, throughout all of this, their drive throughs are open. If you've never had it before, what's wrong with you? If it's in your area, find it. You will not be disappointed. And honestly, as far as chicken fingers go, the reason why it works is they're always fresh. They're never frozen. That's why it works. I remember he would talk to me about different deals he could possibly have. And he's like, well, I'm not giving in. It has to be fresh if you're carrying our brand. And... Uh, It's that good. And it also travels really well. So you could load up, get it ready for the rest of the rounds throughout the NFL draft. And uh, we're going to be doing some more stuff with them. Again, Raising Cane's, the drive-through throughout all this, uh, support some of these local restaurants and a guy that I've known a long time and I could not vouch for anymore. So there you go. Also, a new product that I've been wearing now for a couple weeks, and it's been great tracking all the stuff that I want to track, trying to work out throughout all this, and that's from Whoop. We're all stuck inside right now, trying to keep calm and carry on while figuring out ways to stay healthy and connected. When we're stressed and don't sleep well, our immune systems weaken and become more prone to getting sick, and the best natural way to boost our immune system is through great sleep. And right now, it could not be more important to have a product like Whoop, the fitness tracker. That's, again, the Whoop fitness tracker. Whoop is the best sleep monitor and fitness tracker out there. It's the gold standard for sleep tracking and has been proven to improve sleep performance by helping members build better habits like recommending when you should go to bed and how much sleep you need based on what happened that day. Whether it's the new NFL CBA or NBA analytics and the salary cap, you know I love the data and Whoop collects data about your body 24-7. It gives you a better understanding about your well-being along with personalized, actionable insights to optimize your performance. It accurately measures things like heart rate variability, resting heart rate, sleep recovery, and strain whoop even has a built-in strain coach feature that actually sets exertion goals so you can work out without losing out on your fitness goals during this self-quarantine make the best out of the situation that's the cool part now that i've learned about the strain it's like wow i really hit it today oh i didn't hit it hard enough today oh but i did hit it this hard that means the recovery i need this much and it basically is like a look you're falling behind a little bit in your recovery or look at you you're ready to go because your recovery has been like really good here now for a couple days is it continues to learn about you and your activities and it's really great because it'll show you like different things with your sleep pattern we go oh that's why like why did my heart rate jump like four times versus other nights where everything's really calm i find it fascinating and i think a lot of you guys will as well optimize your sleep and performance with whoop sleep better with personalized insights and strengthen your immune system train optimally and don't get out of shape while you're stuck at home for my listeners, Whoop is offering 15% off with the code RUSSILLO, that's R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O, at checkout. Go to Whoop, W-H-O-O-P.com, enter the code RUSSILLO, two S's, two L's, at checkout. You save 15%, sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter. Optimize your performance with Whoop. Some quick solo draft observations. I love Tua to Miami at five. Something that is very popular. Uh, that is being thrown around because they passed on Drew Brees in 2006, that this is why they're going to do it. Okay, maybe. But you know what I really hope it was about? Is they looked at Tua and said, we're good. Now, as far as the medicals checking out, uh, I'd love for one guy to go, you know, I could have tightened up that surgery a little bit better, but, uh, you know, I was tired. You know, it had like five surgeries earlier that day. Okay, every surgery is successful. Somehow the medical's come back that his hip is even stronger now than before. I don't know that I buy any of that stuff. Um, and by the way, we found out that Miami was able to get a doctor to him during this, which is something that Simmons had brought up. Like, don't you kind of have to figure out a way to like get a doctor to look at this guy if you're thinking about using a top five pick on him? And that's apparently, according to reports during draft night, what Miami did. They found a way to examine him, especially if you're Miami and you had multiple picks, even though the Minka Fitzpatrick trade has probably come back and not look that good because Minka's really good and that pick ended up not being that great. But with Tua, go for it. Now, I'm not the guy who says just draft a million quarterbacks. Like, really, the, the more you look at some of the stuff, it's some people argue, well, when, the only way to get a quarterback is to keep drafting them Yes, but I don't think you'd want to do it every single year just because the math tells you. Like Sometimes math can be just stupid where you go, well, if the bus rate's over 50%, so that means we could get a really good starter maybe at less than 20%. So if we take quarterbacks every year for eight years, the math is in our favor. Well, no, there's also some reality that you have to plug into the equation of you can't just have a bunch of young dudes that aren't getting enough reps to um, develop on their own. So the two a thing... I love because I just think he's better. He would be the number one pick if he were healthy. All right, you realize too, if Alabama wins the Iron Bowl, and you know we can sit and say, oh, they scored a ton of points. It was more about their defense against Auburn. Yeah, but in that last drive, you like Tua's chances better to close out that drive uh, than than Jones in that situation. I don't think that's a reach, right? But. Alabama would have been back in the playoff. Like, look at the way the committee was voting. If they win the Iron Bowl, Alabama's probably the fourth team in the playoff. I'm serious. I think that's what would have happened. So if Tua finishes this whole thing healthy, I think he goes one even over Burrow. I really do. And I like Burrow as we've mentioned numerous times. Um, The Tua-Herbert thing is not debatable. It's not debatable. So if you were to say, hey, you know, we really like Tua, but we're worried about his health, so we'll take Herbert because we need a quarterback, then just take a tackle. Seriously. Like, that's where the quarterback thing, I think, gets really scary. The same way if the New England Patriots had stayed at 23 and said, you know, Tom is gone. Okay, all right. So Herbert, Tua, Burrow, they're all gone. So Jordan loves the next guy. Uh, let's just take that guy. That doesn't seem like something the Patriots would do. That actually seems like something people would do that are dumber at drafting, where you can draft on need. And the NFL first round is more on need than you realize. It just is. I didn't believe it. And then for years and years, you just start looking at it going, man, guys are really drafting on need more than I thought, which is fine because you have so many positions anyway. But you can when it becomes need at that position, at the quarterback position, I think you can end up making even more mistakes. And that's probably why we have such a high bust rate. It isn't that the guys don't know what they're doing. It's that they talk themselves into drafting the next quarterback up on their draft board because they need someone at that position. So Tua, not because of Breeze, Tua because he's good. And if he's healthy, it's a no brainer. And the Tua Herbert thing, even with the health questions, I just don't even think it should be debatable, even though Herbert uh, didn't last that much longer. Another observation, the wide receivers. Now, if you look at how this played out versus what kind of what we thought would happen, the first quarterback, um, well, the first wide receiver, we already went over the quarterbacks. Ruggs 12th, we went over that with Long, and then Judy goes 15th to Denver, which is just nice if you're Drew Locke. You're like, oh, cool, awesome, thank you. Thank you for not taking, you know, (laughs) thank you for not taking a fourth linebacker. Uh, C.D. Lamb goes uh, 17th to Dallas. I like CD more than any of these guys. He goes third. He goes 17th. Not him, him going third is probably not as surprising as it is that he lasted at 17. And I started to think, well, wait a minute. Does that mean that there's something going on here? Is it a Lincoln-Riley deal perhaps? Because everybody seems to love his quarterbacks. So is it anything with the receivers? It was something that jumped out at me. Now, Lincoln took over as offensive coordinator for Oklahoma in 2015 and then head coach the last three years. And I went to go ahead and look at all of their receivers that were taken. And let me do that again real quick. Because then I thought, is there anything there? Is there anything that could possibly lead me to believe that since Lincoln walked in, that maybe some guys go, well, they're just open all the time? Um, not really the case. Doriel Green Beckham, that's kind of a long story in itself. So I'm not even holding that against him. Sterling Shepard's been good. and He was a second rounder. Didi Westbrook, eh, okay, not great. But then Marquise Brown has been terrific uh in his in his first year there so it's not like you have five busts where you start remember when we had that big 10 running back stink which i don't even think is fair to kind of do that stuff i think that's kind of lazy scouting but I, i didn't really find anything here with the receivers where you'd go, you know, am I going to get mad because Jalen didn't pan out in the fourth round of 2014? No, of course not. So I just want to make sure I didn't miss anybody here. Yeah, Brown just last year. Dede Westbrook was a couple years ago. Sterling Shepard's been good. You know, there's nothing there that goes, hey, none of these guys are ever going to be any good. So it wasn't really that. Uh, sometimes maybe it's just that he's a little smaller than people would want him to be. You know, he does measure a little bit smaller, but I would be surprised if he ends up being a bust. And receivers have this kind of sneaky bust rate. They've had a sneaky bust rate at times, but maybe we really are that blessed with the evaluation of how good these wide receivers have been, whether you like Todd McShay or whether you like Daniel Jeremiah or Mel Kiper Jr. or anything, when all all the draft guys seem to be saying, man, this receiver class is so insanely deep. Like the sixth or seventh guy might be as good as the second or third guy in a different class. It reminds me a little bit of 2014 where, If you looked at how that draft played out at the receiver position, and I'm pulling it up here now, Sammy Watkins went fourth overall. Sammy Watkins was the consensus guy. He really was. He's been the biggest disappointment out of any of the top guys that were taken. Mike Evans... If you wanted to scout against him, you'd say, all right, well, he just caught a million jump balls with Manziel, and it'd be kind of weird to look at Mike Evans and say, oh, he's a product of Manzel." when it's like, wait a minute, maybe it was the other way around. Um, they also had this really funny thing, a little side note here, where they ran this TV in bump, where it was called draft stories, and they're like quarterbacks that dropped. And it goes, okay, Aaron Rodgers, 24th in 05. All right, yep, he dropped. He's awesome, Hall of Famer. But then the other examples they use, Brady Quinn, sticking around at 22. Okay. Geno Smith, I can't believe it. Remember how mad he was? He went thirty nine. That might have been too high. Manziel, 22. Money signs in the air. Flame out. That was six years ago. Johnny Manziel was drafted 22nd overall. So back to Sammy Watkins in 2014. He goes forth. He's been a disappointment. Okay, that that's being as nice as we can be about it, even though he's gotten paid and he showed some flashes. But Watkins was like, this guy is the real deal. And then Evans ends up being better than him. But early on, Odell Beckham is better than both of those dudes. Now, Odell. The evaluation there is that you look at the offense and just the lack of downfield throwing that they had with odell and jarvis now seems criminal i can't even imagine what joe brady would have done with those two guys let's just put it this way it would have been better than what we saw from odell when he was at lsu even though some of the stats are like no those are pretty good well it wasn't what we saw with the giants and i don't know if we're ever going to see the odell that we saw before unless he and baker get on the same page here so then you got brandon cooks who yes i've not been the Biggest fan of, but he's still a first-round pick who puts up big numbers. He's just on a one. Kelvin Benjamin, a little disappointing. Marquis Lee just got cut. Jordan Matthews, he's okay. I mean, Devontae Adams actually still is a second-rounder here, and Allen Robinson's been productive, and Jarvis Landry was still good. I mean, hell, Dante Moncrief, who I sneaky kind of liked, uh, was the 90th player taken overall. And maybe, maybe that just tells you that that class was that stacked, and that's what we're going to have again because that's what the evaluators told us the entire time. Two final thoughts. Remember when Roger Goodell was cool? I know you're not going to believe me, but I went back and looked at the 2006 vote. He was voted, but he didn't have the majority vote. Then they went back and voted again, and he didn't have a majority vote. Then they went back and voted again, and then they finally got it. The Raiders abstained, I believe, through the entire process. But it was, here's this guy. was an intern in 1983, told his professor school who told him he should go to law school he was like now nah, i want to be an nfl gm and then i remember the new yorker or somebody maybe it was the new york times hell it could have been the wall street journal did this feature on him it's like he has the shoulders of a linebacker and if it wasn't for an injury in high school he may have played in the nfl I'm like that's a really good line but it's probably not true because we've all played pickup hoops with the guy was like yeah high school coach fuck me I'm like yeah is it that or is it because you're 5'8 and not real athletic so there was a moment where Goodell was like, I mean, he was coming on, He's doing interviews. I interviewed him a handful of times and then I ran into him like at a game one time. He like turned around and left. I don't know if it was because of me or if he didn't like Charles Barkley. Small flex. So yeah, because uh, Goodell struggled tonight and I'm not saying that, let me, I don't even, you know, I'm going to leave it in there. I feel guilty saying that he struggled tonight, mispronunciation, that kind of thing. We're dealing with some extenuating circumstances here, but the going to the pre-programmed fan reaction thing, he's just kind of turned into like dad jokes overnight. Um, and you know, look, he's he's got some knocks on him when uh when all sorts of controversies were going down and people didn't even think he was gonna last the week. And I'm like, Yeah, you know, he's probably gonna keep his job because that's just the way this stuff seems to work out. But there was a time where Goodell was actually considered really cool. And shout out to my man Todd McShay, who I don't know if you'd heard or saw on Twitter at the top of the broadcast, uh, got the coronavirus last week. I know he was really, really banged up. Um, he was like, I don't even want to text right now, dude. This is exhausting. So I know how people feel about draft analysts. You all seem to hate them because you're like, yep, but you like Blaine Gabbert. Yep, McShay did like Blaine Gabbert, but I've known him longer than anyone that I've known at ESPN. He's one of my closest friends, and if you knew the amount of work he put into this each and every year and then not be able to use that work for the one night that you're building towards where your wife is mad at you and you're missing stuff with the kids because you're hunkered down in a room watching videos of whether or not a guard has good hands as a seventh round pick. And then still has a list of like 50 best undrafted guys. And then on top of that is punching out a mock draft for 2021 days after this draft happened. Not because he wants to do it because he hates doing it because it's the most red thing he does on ESPN.com the entire year. And now you're getting through this and look, he's going to be fine, but Shout out to him. You're my guy. And get well soon. I know you're going to be fine. And uh, for those of us that are your friends, uh, thinking about you, know how bad you want to be out there. Okay, please subscribe. Rate review the Ryan Russillo podcast, all of our Ringer podcasts. I know Simmons has a big draft wrap-up as well. And I have some awesome stuff uh, planned for you, including this Recruiting Stories podcast that uh, we're going to launch here pretty soon. So we're going to have some good content driving through all this. As always, stay safe.